Got everybody, everybody ready? First John 1. I, I don't know if there, as I started this series, I don't know if there is a passage, I, I mean, there is a series I could do on my favorite counseling passages if I could not go through this passage. So, although we have talked about this as a church before, this might be familiar to some of you, keep notes uh, in your Bible on sermons I preached or whatever, and maybe you have these notes in your, in your Bible already, so bear with me, it's okay, it's good to go through it. I go through it about every quarter in our intro class. I go through this with our intro class, and so I found this to be a very enriching and very uh, good passage that I go back to, like I said, about once a quarter, and it makes a huge impact on my life, and so I hope it will be encouraging uh, for you as well. The, the title of my message tonight really is, it's out of 1 John 1, 5 through 2, 2, and if we have to go more than one week, I'm okay doing that because this, this deserves the time we need to give it. So I like to call this How to Have Fellowship with God very straightforward, how to have fellowship with God. And I want to start by thinking through a couple of terms. Um, when we talk about, as we'll be talking about God, and we'll be talking about our relationship to God and our fellowship with God, we throw around terms a lot. And I want to make sure we are clear on what we mean, what I try to mean by these, and also maybe help you clarify in your mind what we're talking about. So when we talk about a, our relationship What I want us to be talking about is what is our relationship to God, and what I mean by that is, is, the, um, is what is established at salvation. So can any of you give me any Bible verses you can think of that talk about our relationship that is established at salvation? I'll get you started. Okay, yes, sir, Bill. Yes. John 1.12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right, became the, gave the power, become the sons or the children of God, to as many of those as believed on his name. Do we, as we believe in Christ, we have a relationship established, established at salvation. Um, when you are saved, when you trust Christ, as many as received him, when you receive his gift of salvation, when you receive him, to those, God gives the right to become, gives the authority to become the children of God, John 1.12. Um, your, your relationship with God is established and is secure. It is established and it is secure. Okay? It is not something that you have to worry about. Uh, when you are a child of someone, you are a person's child regardless of how, how, bad you, how mean you are to that person. I think about the illustration I always give is if, if I were to go to my father and I would say, Dad, can I, um, if I were to go to my father and I were to strike him uh, out of anger, like hit him across the face, and, and, and he would be like, well, where'd that come from? And then I said, hey, can uh, you help me buy a new car? How do you think that would go over? Well, I might be walking, says Jimmy, absolutely, right? Because I have offended him. I have created a problem in our fellowship, our, our relationship. Is he still my father? Am I his, still his son? Absolutely. But, but, but our fellowship has been damaged. And so fellowship, I, I, I talk about the clear, unobstructed relationship. So fellowship is, is the clear, unobstructed relationship, okay? It is, it is uh, the relationship is necessary to have fellowship. Okay, you can't have fellowship without relationship. Uh, and fellowship has to do with that being unobstructed communication with someone, un unobstructed, um, uh, relate, the unobstructed relationship. So fellowship 
you can have good fellowship and bad fellowship, right? It goes up and down depending on your relationship to that person, really depending on your fellowship with that person. It, it can go up and down. But the relationship with that person, what your objective relationship stays the same. Does that make sense? You are a son of the Father, but you may not be in good fellowship with that person. And this is the true with our, our, our relationships uh, as well. And, and, and there's an issue is that we are flawed Christians, is anybody in here a flawed Christian? Anybody in here? Okay. No, some of you are perfect. That's excellent. Very good. Um, we have a verse for you in just a minute. Uh, but uh, we are flawed, and so we are going to have issues with our fellowship with God. We are, we are not always going to be walking with God like we should. The Bible calls this walking with God, right? Fellowship, it often describes as walking, walking with God. Uh, or you might talk about you might talk about your walk with God. How's your walk with the Lord? When I say how's your walk with the Lord, I'm talking about your fellowship with God. How are you? Is everything clear between the two of you? So the Bible deals uh, with this issue of how to have fellowship with God. Now, what we're talking about here is this issue. We're talking about the issue of fellowship specifically. If you look back at this book, you'll notice this book is written to believers. It is not ta- this book is not talking about how to establish a relationship with God. It's not talking about how to be converted, how to get saved. This verse, these verses are talking about uh, what happens with those who are believers, those who are already established as um, uh, believers with, with God. Um, so let's look at these verses. Let's look at verse 5 through 7. Uh, I have four steps here, and I hope that these are helpful to you. Verse 5 says, This is the message which we have heard from him, and declare to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, first step to growing and to having good fellowship with God is you must know God. Okay, you have to know God. You will not get to have fellowship with God unless you know Him. And you know Him. You must get to know Him through His Word. What do you need to know about God? First thing I want to, to mention here is, is that he says that our God is perfect. That's our, our first blank there. Our God, that God is perfect. Look at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. That means this is not original with John. This is continuing the gospel theme. This is continuing the message of the, of the Word of God. God is light, and in him is no darkness. This is God's message to us. What does it mean that God is light? In what way is God light? Well, what does light do? It what? It shines, right? It reveals. There's more. Helps us to see. Uh, it gives life, right? Without without light, you don't have life. Light and darkness cannot coexist. You have light and you have darkness. What does light do to darkness? It, it expels darkness, right? It, 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 you cannot have. If there's darkness, you shine light, and darkness goes away. Darkness is the absence of light, right? So. God is light, in Him is no darkness at all. 
that means that God is perfect. That means He has no moral defects. So we're flawed Christians. Is God flawed? No, He's perfect. This is important. Keep this in mind. Uh, Our world centers all morality on us, right? They say, what do you feel? What do you think? My question is not, what do I feel? What do I think? It's, what does God think? What does God feel, right? That is that is where we go because he is perfect. In him is no darkness. If God is perfect, and since God is perfect, you can't find anything wicked or dark in God. He cannot sin. He is incorruptible, okay? God will not do anything wrong. He's perfect. And you can't impugn the motives of God. He's morally upright. There's no darkness in God. And this presents a problem for us because we're flawed and God is not. God is perfect. We are not. How can, we have, how can we possibly have fellowship with a perfect God if we're not perfect? This creates an issue. Okay, how can we? Um, the first solution, so how many of you have ever uh, met a, a uh, or how many of you have had a conversation with someone who was absolutely brilliant, and they were talking about things of which you had no idea what they were talking about? Have you ever had those conversations? I have. I one time had a conversation with somebody and thought, and thought, oh, oh my goodness, I have no idea what they're saying. And so what do you do? You have two options. And we have two options. The first option is to say, is to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. But nobody does that, right? What does everybody do? Oh yeah, yeah. And you're looking for a word that you recognize. Oh, fusion. Yeah, fusion. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Fusion. Wow. (laughs) And you're talking about all these uh, scientific terms. I don't know what he's saying, but it's interesting. And then, you know, my my rule of thumb is I just ask questions. I'm like, so how does that work? Ah, it's interesting. So tell me more about such and such. And if you ask enough questions, eventually you can find something that you you can kind of talk about with them. But, But that is called fake it till you make it, right? You just kind of smile. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. And, um, and, and some people do that when you witness to them. They, they just say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. And they're just faking it. They don't, they don't really care. Okay, some people, if, if God is perfect, maybe God's like that. Maybe you just have to kind of, yeah, yeah, good. You just kind of fake it till you make it. Do you present yourself to God as a person who has fellowship with God, as a person who's walking in the light? You say, I just, yeah, we're good, right, God? You just pretend. Is that, is that, how, is that how you should get along with God? Well, obviously not, right? Because look at the next verse. Look at verse 6. Our claims of fellowship don't mean we have fellowship. I, this verse is, is telling us that it's not the, one, it's not the same thing. Uh, that is, claiming that you are good with God does not mean you are. If we say we have fellowship with God, with Him, and we're walking, that is, we're living, we are existing in darkness we lie and we do not practice the truth. There it is that people claim to walk with God. People claim to have a good relationship with God all the time. Um, If we say we have fellowship with Him, so do I have fellowship with God? Do I have a clear, unobstructed relationship with God? If you say yes, but at the same time you are walking in darkness, you're lying. Because you cannot be walking in darkness around a perfect God and be in fellowship with Him. It just doesn't work. You can't be in darkness and in light at the same time because darkness and light cannot coexist. And so if you're walking in the darkness and He is in the light, you cannot have fellowship with Him, period. That's what He's saying. 
So, but people pretend all the time, right? People pretend. They walk in darkness. They say they have fellowship with God, but they are walking in a life of sin. What does it mean to walk in darkness? Okay, un- oh, let's just write this out here. Walk in darkness. Okay, we have unconfessed sin. Okay, so living in unconfessed sin. Okay? Yes, sir. Living in the flesh. What does that mean? Are we all living in the flesh? Okay. I like to use the word governed by. That's my favorite terminology. Um, governed by the flesh. That is, you take orders from the flesh. You do what the flesh wants to do. Your body wants to do it, you do it. Okay, that's, that's living in the flesh. Okay, what else? Not that what you were saying was wrong. I agree. I'm just, that's how I like to say it. Doing what feels good. Yeah, so walking in darkness is, is walking in unconfessed sin. It is living in the flesh. It's being governed by the flesh. It's doing what feels good. Okay. I, th- I think this is really close to what I think he's talking about. Unconfessed sin as in also not only unconfessed, but known sin, unconfessed known sin. Because there's a difference between unconfessed sin and unconfessed known sin. Because let me tell you, we're all sinning a lot more than we think. Does that scare you? Maybe a little bit. God's grace is good, though. I mean, we, we, if there's unconfessed known sin in your life, like so God points his finger at it. And you all know what that's like. If you're saved, you know exactly what it's like when God points his finger at sin. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh, man, I've got to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. I want to deal with, with that over there. And God says, no, deal with this, right? So to walk in darkness does not mean that you are living a life of licentiousness. I don't think it means that you're a drunkard. Now, being a drunkard might be part of living in darkness, but you can be living in darkness and look great because you're not, because you're walking in unconfessed known sin, okay? So, if God is, is directing your heart towards confession, and you are not confessing that sin, you're in trouble, okay? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that's exactly not walking with God. Oh, absolutely. I mean, living in the flesh is definitely not walking with God. If you're doing what, like you said, if you, if you claim to be a Christian and you're going out in the bars and, and watching the dancers, you're definitely not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. What I'm trying to point, point out a little bit and poke at a little bit is that sometimes we look at that person, we say, that person's living in the flesh. They're walking in darkness, but I'm not because I'm here at church on a Wednesday night in prayer group. Like I'm obviously walking in the spirit, you know, maybe, maybe not. Because that pride might just come and bite you, right? I mean, there's all kinds that we can keep going here, but, but um, I, I want you to think about this, that, that your claims of fellowship don't mean you have fellowship. John 14, 15 tells us that if you love me, keep my commandments. So there are some people who say they love God. And we, I know them. I've, I've witnessed to people, right? Uh, oh, I love Jesus, but, you know, and then they, they have their, their sin, their pet sin that they, that they engage in. Um, 
The Bible says if you're doing this, you're actually not telling the truth. You're lying because it's impossible to walk with God at the same time walk in darkness. He says we lie and we do not practice the truth. That is, we're not doing the truth. God is a God of truth. He wants us to walk in the truth. So our claims of fellowship don't mean we have fellowship. Um, Verse 7, but, here he gives a contrast, but if we walk in the light, so we had walking in darkness, then we have walk in the light. As he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship. There's a key word. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's first look at the condition. The first condition is if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have a responsibility to walk in the light as God is in the light. It's not God's responsibility to bow to our will. It's our responsibility to bow to his will. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We don't make him walk in our path. We walk in his path. Okay? It's also, I want to note, that it is possible for believers to walk in the light as God is in the light. It's not beyond the realm of possibility for you to walk in the light. So I don't believe that walking in the light means being perfect. Walking, if, if walking in darkness is, is walking with known, unconfessed sin, what's walking in the light? Yeah, we'll get to exactly what it looks like in a minute in 1 John 1, 9. But it's having no known, unconfessed sin in your life. It's that you are seeking to confess sin as it comes up and to the best of your ability, obey God and do what he says to do. I think it's like a child, you know, with like the alphabet, right? So as a Christian, you may not know A through Z yet. You may only know A through Z, right? A, B, C. You know A, B, and C. You may not know that B and F is in the alphabet, right? Yeah. Also D. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, so uh, Dwayne says that it's kind of like the alphabet. When you teach kids the alphabet, you teach them A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And maybe the first A, B, C is all you know right now, and you're, you're trying to do A, B, and C, and God hasn't shown you D, E, and F yet. And that's fine. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great analogy. I, I've talked to, I remember, uh, some of you may know Matt Recker. He's a pastor up in um, New York City, and he was saved um, out of a secular college background, and he was about my dad's age, and they became friends, and they both were saved uh, in secular college uh, background. And, 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 and Matt tells a funny story. He talks about how when he got saved, he said, man, it was, um, it was months, and I was still smoking pot and, and you know, all this stuff. And he's like, then it finally dawned on me, you know, I probably shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and God worked in his life, and and he didn't, he, he said, there were a lot of sins I was still doing that I didn't even realize I was doing. I think that's all of us in many, in many ways. Um, but there is a responsibility we have to walk in the light. You need to walk in the light. Walk where God is. Go where God is. Do what God says. And, and it's, uh, there, uh, like I said, some people try, I, I hear people talk. I don't think they mean this, but sometimes I feel like people are saying it's impossible like, I can't, I, can't, I can't obey. I can't please God. It's impossible. Like, God's standards are impossibly high, and I will never, ever be able to walk in the light. But I, I, I think what the passage is telling us is that you're called to walk in the light, and you're not called to be perfect in every respect. We'll talk about exactly how you do that in a second. So, what's the effect, number one? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with one another, okay? We have fellowship with one another. This is fascinating, Okay. Um, what does that mean? 
Well, there's two options, almost like everything. When it says, who are the two people that have fellowship? Well, in the immediate referent, so what's the immediate referent in the text? God and us. Okay, so it's either teaching us that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, that us, we and God have fellowship if we walk in the light. Or it's using the word one another as it's commonly used in the New Testament to refer to the congregation. We have fellowship with one another. And then he says this, so that's the first one, we have fellowship with one another. And I, I do think that either one's possible. Um, uh, good men differ. There is great arguments on both sides. I don't think it really matters, per se, whether it's just us. But I do think it's interesting that as far as our relationships this way, isn't it amazing how much sin messes stuff up? And when we do walk in the light as He is in the light, we do have fellowship with one another. And I, I put in there the Galatians 5, through 23, the fruit of the Spirit. How many of the fruit of the Spirit are relational fruits? Think about it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. I mean, they're all relational things, aren't they? As we walk in the light, our relationships with other people will get better. If you stink at relationships, you're not very good at walking in the light. If you're not good at people relationships, if you always are having conflict with people, then it's possible that you're not showing the fruit of the Spirit. It's possible that you're walking as God would have you walk, and you're not having fellowship with one another. What's the second effect here? Jesus' blood what? Okay, cleanse is a fancy word for what? Cleans. Okay, cleans us um, from the stain of our sin, is how I put it on our thing there. I want to just think about this, that um, sin leaves a mark, and there's nothing we can do that takes care of that mark. Sin always leaves a mark. People feel guilty and might try to do things to take away that mark and that pain. People drink to do that. People uh, even do drugs and things like that to try to take away the stain of their sin. You know what other things people do? People volunteer to feed the poor. People give money to worthy cause. People make food for people. People are, do good things to try to take care of their stain of sin. But none of these things can cleanse us from the power of sin. Can some of y'all help me look up some of these verses? I have all these verses I have there. So Matthew 23, 25, Ephesians 5, Titus 2, and James 4. All of these use the same word for cleanse, and we're going to see what this word is talking about when we talk about cleansing. The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Matthew 23, 25. Who can read that one for us? And Okay, go ahead. Wendy? Mm-hmm. Yep. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you cleanse the outside. You clean the outside of the cup, okay? You clean the outside, but you, don't, you can't clean the inside. Inside, you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26. Yes, ma'am. Helen. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. With the washing of water by the word. How does Jesus cleanse her? By the, by the washing of water by the word. It's a picture of cleansing, but the way that you clean is through the word of God. You know, you usually clean with water. 
Here you clean with the Word. The Word has a cleansing effect. God cleanses the church. He gave himself for her that he might sanctify, make her holy, and clean her. God is cleaning the church. Titus 2.14. Yes, sir, Tony. Okay, same word, cleanse, to clean for himself. Uh, to, he, he, he redeemed us from every lawless deeds, purified for himself his own special people. He wants to cure, purify us, to clean us up. James 4, 8. Yes, sir, Sebastian. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Okay, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. He calls the sinners to cleanse or to clean their hands. Yes, when you're saved, you're forgiven the consequences of your sin. But whenever you as a believer sin, you have the effects of sin that leave a stain on you, and only Christ can clean that stain. You need to be clean. You need to be clean. That just because you're saved doesn't mean that sin doesn't affect you. Sin doesn't stain, in a sense. You need to be cleansed from your sin, cleansed from your sin, even as you are a believer, okay? Um, any questions on this so far? No, God. God is perfect. God is perfect. Last one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll do this next one, and then we'll stop for next week. Step number two is to be honest. This is a quick one. I need to uh, look at verse 8 and verse 10. Verse 8 tells us that if we ha- claim to have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. You see that? Verse 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, if I, if I look at my life, if I say, you know what? God is perfect. Um, I'm walking in the light. Uh, I don't have sin. I'm good. I'm not a sinner. If you say you have no sin, you're lying to yourself. You're being self-deceived. Uh, people do that. I've, I've met a man one time who said he hadn't sinned since like 1980 or something. And uh, I said, have you told that to your wife? Because I think she would disagree with you. But he believed. He believed that what he did was he redefined sin away from what the Bible said, and he had his own version of sin, right? And so in his mind, I mean, he hadn't committed adultery. He maybe had committed adultery as Jesus said so, but he had not like actually done it. He hadn't like actually murdered anyone. So he had redefined sin so that he didn't have any sin. And that's really, really dangerous. He had lied to himself. Verse 10, it makes it even more severe. If we say we have not sinned, we make him. Who's him? God, a liar, and his word is not in us. Um, if you claim you have not sinned, you make God a liar. So it's more, it's more than God to be a liar. He actually isn't a liar, but you make him like he's a liar. Because God says you're a sinner and you're calling God a liar if you say, I haven't sinned. So here's, here's where we, we end for today. You need to know God, and in order to grow, you have to be honest. And this is where a lot of people fall, is that they're not honest with themselves. And why are they not honest with themselves? Well, they're afraid if they admit that they're a failure in one area. Are they afraid if they admit sin, then that means that they're not as good as they thought they were? Because they believe they have to put all these things, these, you know, check all these boxes or be so good or have all their ducks lined up, they're faking it. They're doing what all of us do. They're smiling and nodding and pretending like they have it all together, and they're not stopping and admitting that they don't have it all together. You must be willing to be honest if you're going to grow. Okay, any questions so far? 
We're going to take a pause and come back to get the rest of this because this is, I think this is so important. We're going to take as much time as we need. But any questions so far? Am I making sense? Anything? Well, thank you, Bill. Anything you want to, anybody? Have? You can have contradictions too. I'm okay with that. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming tonight. I hope you are enjoying this. And I would encourage you to read through this. You can read all the way through chapter 2 and verse 2 if you'd like for next week. But this is, um, this is stuff that I, I think everyone should be familiar with this text. You should know this text because this will help you grow in your personal life and help you help other people as well. Father, we thank you so much for this evening. We thank you for the privilege of being in your house here on a midweek service, just to pray, to read your Bible, to study, and to grow a little bit. I pray you'd help us to be honest before you, be willing and open to change, and I pray you'd give us bless this church and help us to walk with you every day, to walk in the light as you are in the light. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a great night, everybody.